0: Welcome to the Carrot Gal Sister Chats podcast, where we chat all about gardening and self-sufficiency. We are Jackie and Laura, two sisters who live in Utah and Idaho, and who love to talk about self-sufficiency skills. We're glad you're here. Come learn along with us. Hey, hey, Laura. How are you today? Hey, Jackie. How are you? So good. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yeah, me too.
1: Awesome. Cool. Um, so many things to talk about today, right? But um what do you think about chatting about sourdough? Some of our stories, how to make it. I love that. Fun. Love that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um sourdough is such a fun topic to talk about, at least in my world. Um I I didn't really understand sourdough bread making. Most of my life growing up, it's really been a thing that I've developed in the last few years. Right, um, And there's some fun nuances that I'd love to talk about and share and just explain some of our fun stories and, and stuff and just our experiences, right? Um, I think that'd be really cool to talk about and maybe talk about like what we've learned along the way, some of our failures, some of our successes, because um, let's be real, when you're learning any new skill... There's lots of things that you just, just doesn't turn out
0: quite right. And you just have to keep trying at it. Yeah. Um, Especially with sourdough. Like I feel like it's such a um, artisan skill that it's, you know, it really takes some practice to learn it, but it's not hard. Yes. And it's something that, that a lot of people um, probably don't know about or have not tried. So, exactly. And it's really not super complicated once you learn a few tricks. So, so true. that'll be, yeah, this will be great. Cool. Well, maybe let's, t- let's start off,
1: right? Like, let's kind of talk about probably the average human and, and their bread consumption. Like, cause yes. I don't know about other people, but you know, you and I, we grew up just eating like sometimes our mom made bread from scratch, but it was just like a normal, like, whole wheat loaf of bread you know nothing super special with the
0: honestly do you remember mom used to like sell bread do you remember that
1: um, i don't know that i remember that
0: <laughs> she was it was probably two years that she would like make like dozens and dozens of loaves of whole wheat bread in these huh. loaf pans and she would like butter the tops and then she would sell them to neighbors Oh my gosh. Deliveries of whole wheat bread to the neighbors. It was that is
1: so funny. funny. I remember her making bread, like a ton of bread, but I don't think I ever put two and two together that she was selling it. <laughs> she <was definitely laughs> selling. I, have, I have great memories of lots of loaves of bread
0: all over. Yeah. How funny. I also distinctly remember making trips with her to the wonder bread store. Yes. And it was like the, like the wholesale, yes, section of it, right? And so they had this <laughs> anyway, and yeah, we would not, we would not only get bread, but of course we would get like snowballs and um, yep. cookies, cupcakes and all the things, right? So, but I distinctly have memories of that, and so that was our bread consumption. Like mm-hmm. most people, yeah. we bought store bought or homemade bread with traditional, with like rapid rise yeast, right? So,
1: right. And it was super good, right? Like, yeah. That's, that's all most of us have ever come across most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I also remember growing up, like, our father always would talk about how he loves sourdough bread. Yes. And I didn't, I never understood that. Occasionally, I think mom would probably bring home a loaf of sourdough bread for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would try to get us to eat it. But at that time, I was like, that is disgusting. Because it, I mean, it has... The bread, at least that she would bring home was like really distinctly sour and I did not like it, but he kept trying to push it on us all the time. I'm like, that's gross. So I always had this like negative feeling towards sourdough bread my
0: whole life Mm -hmm. until I learned how to make it. (laughs) and Everything changed. So, and how did you um, learn about it when you were older? Like what, Mm -hmm. you know, what sparked that at all?
1: Gosh, that's a really great question. I think it just got interwoven with everything else that I've been learning over the past many years, probably the last seven, eight ish years of my life. I've just been continuously on a health journey, mm-hmm. learning healthier and healthier things to put into my body. And that's come with, you know, one step at a time as, as you learn, you grow and you implement those things. Right. Um, and at one point I started learning, this is probably where it came from is I started learning about. Um, the gut and how the gut is really connected into our brain and how we need to be doing specific things to help support the gut and the overall health from a gut perspective. And I was going through these classes that were teaching um, a gut healing protocol called GAPS. Mm -hmm. um, And the acronym is G-A-P-S. So you can go and Google it. It stands for gut and psychology syndrome, but that's a whole separate side tangent conversation we won't talk about today, but I was taking these classes with this lady who is a practitioner teaching all this, these concepts on the gut. And she introduced me to this idea that we're supposed to be fermenting our grains or soaking or sprouting or fermenting them. And I was like, hold up. What? Like brand new idea. It was like really outside of my realm of understanding. Uh-huh. Um, and it really took me several months for my brain even to just simply wrap itself around that because I had never been exposed to that. That was, it was just a foreign concept. So she introduced me to um, a whole philosophy from somebody named Weston A. Price and his information is really, really foundational into the the gaps healing protocol system. There's a lot more than just fermenting your grains that he taught about but. Um, if you want to know more about him you can obviously go search his name and find out what his stuff is all about there's books and all sorts of things about out there for his information but um, yeah so I was I think I was just taking some classes probably over the course of two or three months and I was introduced to that concept Mm -hmm. uh, soaking sprouting fermenting grains and why we needed to do that and so then like all things I became kind of voracious and like oh my gosh, I need to learn how to do this and like, let's figure this out. And so I learned about sourdough bread. That's a part of the fermenting process and how to properly prepare our grains for consumption. Um, and then, and then I started in, I don't know, I ensued in like a two or three year journey of like, like I said, ups and downs and failures and trying to figure it out. And like, what? Cause I felt pretty confident in making regular bread, homemade, regular bread before like sure. I felt really proud about that I yeah had some pretty solid skills in that department um so I thought oh this will be easy it was not it was not as easy as I anticipated it to be so <laughs> lots of learning that came along
0: yeah that's awesome yeah and my my story was similar where I just learned from i taken an online class and like learned about the needing to soak grains and things like that. Mine was taught to me by a lady named Angie Christensen and she has a program called simply divine eating. And so you can look that one up too. She has really good nutritional things on that. So, um, yeah. And then I got into it as well and learned more. And again, I think I've tried multiple times before I had success and things like that. So it's a definitely a different beast than, um, than like a, a yeasted bread that yeah. you put in dry yeast, right? So I wanted to share this book. This is called The Art of Baking with Natural Yeast. And it's by Caleb Warnock and Melissa Richardson. And um, she had a similar story where she would make um, traditional yeast, like, sorry, that's not traditional. She would make yeasted breads, and she felt like she was doing really well with that. And feeding her family good food and then she learned about sourdough and similar story like she um like it opened up a whole new world for her and now it's yeah. this cookbook of not only bread but other things you can make with sourdough like like waffles and muffins and crepes and all these things so yes yeah, yeah.
1: so let's let's talk really quickly about because you said Um, commercially or yeasted breads versus something what else did you call it um
0: yeah well sourdough versus a yeasted bread so the difference difference um yeah the main difference is that the um, sourdough is how people traditionally made bread for thousands of years right this is how people have always made bread. It's the only way that they've been able to make bread for all of human history until recently when we've had factories and, and commercial um, production, they took wild yeast and they, ex- I think they extracted like one strain yeah. of it. Yep. Yeah. They got that to grow quickly in a lab. And then, so they grow it out really fast and then they, Um, dry it and that's what we use as yeast in our um, so if you buy yeast at the store it comes dried and it's like little granules but they're alive they're little yeast guys so so like little you know and that's what makes your bread rise but you can make bread with that in like an hour yes. versus a traditional sourdough bread takes 24 yep. to, to rise, right? right? So the slow ferment is really what we're going for. The reason why it's better for our bodies is because all those things in the grains that are, I think they're called phytic acids. Is that right? Yep. So they get broken down and like way easier for our body to digest because it's been pre broken down, pre digested yeah. by the yeast, like the full strains of yeast, not just one single. Yeah. One single strain yeah yeah and it usually takes on a sour flavor it doesn't have to right and then you can also add some sweetener to cut that the tang too right. if you want to. so anyway usually um it's usually a little bit denser and chewier and the crust is is um thick and crunchy so yes yeah it's more of an artisan type of bread it's an artisan type bread if you don't wanna make your own sourdough bread, you can also go to like a Whole Foods or a a farmer's market or um, like your local health food co-op, whatever it is. And you can find um, natural grocers, those types of stores. And you can find yeast, um, sorry, sourdough bread. And you know that it's real sourdough bread. (laughs) <laughs> the only ingredients are flour, water, salt. They can add in other other flavors like rosemary or whatever but if it only has those ingredients then you know that they did it with a long ferment with just those ingredients.
1: Right because along my sourdough learning journey over the past couple of years, I was shocked to find out that you know if they like a loaf of bread can be produced in a factory mm-hmm. and they can call it quote unquote sourdough as long as they put in a tiny little bit of like those, the sourdough things. And we'll talk about what actually makes a sourdough loaf, a sourdough loaf in just a few minutes. Right. But um, if they put in some of that stuff to kind of sour the flavor of it, or they put some like souring agents, or I don't remember if it's citric acid. So they put some extra stuff in there and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm kind of make it like a sourdough loaf right um, to imitate it like it's kind of a cheat sourdough even though it comes out the same kind of flavor profile and stuff but it's not a true sourdough really is back up to our stories right like Mm -hmm. where we started learning about sourdough and the value of it because of the health properties right and so When I've found, when I go shopping at the grocery store, I don't know where it is, how it is, where you're at, Laura, specifically, but when I have shopped for like a traditional slow fermented loaf of sourdough, like a real sourdough loaf, Mm -hmm. they're not the cheapest loaves of bread that I've ever found. They're like six to eight, almost $9 a loaf. $6 is
0: really cheap for me. Six to $8 is what I pay. Yeah. Yeah, it's so
1: probably an average $7, right? Comparative to a normal loaf of bread. And if you're buying a healthy loaf of normal bread, like it could be, you know, $3 or $4 or something. So it's it's almost double the price, generally speaking. And um, so that's one of the reasons why I actually really love making it at home. Agreed
0: feel confident in making my own sourdough at home so yeah because when you learn to make it at home you save a lot of money you're not paying eight dollars a loaf you're only buying wheat or flour and that's right. it right it's super inexpensive to do it at home it really is now having said that there's quite a learning curve yes there is yes there is. <laughs> let's talk about that so well cool. the um there's some principles with sourdough that Jackie and I have experienced ourselves that we'll talk about, but um, the basic concept of making it is you generally actually, so you always have to have a sourdough starter. Yes, that's crucial. So this is something that takes at least a week to create. From scratch. From scratch, but you can get a starter from somebody else and make it a lot quicker than that. Um, Once you have your sourdough starter active and, and going, then it's, then it's pretty simple to bake a loaf of bread from there. Right. So, but the act of getting a sourdough starter started from scratch is a little tricky. So, um, if you want to have fewer failures, I would recommend finding a friend that keeps a sourdough starter and getting a little bit from them or cool tip.
1: Yeah. If you have an artisan bakery in your area, we have a really great bakery here in my area that does really amazing artisan breads, but they also do sourdough where they're at. And if you go, I've heard other people going there and saying, can I have a little of your sourdough starter? And they'll share that with you. So find somebody that has an active sourdough starter or go to a, hopefully
0: a local artisan bakery that does sourdough in your area. Or ask on Facebook or anything like that. If there's someone locally that has some people are willing to share so um, it doesn't take very much. So you only need like a tablespoon to be able to start a new batch of, of your own sourdough starter. And it's really not hard. So um, find somebody that starts one, has a start for you. I wouldn't necessarily buy online, like from a Cultures for Health. They have ones that you can buy online. But if I was to buy one, again, you're going to pay like 9 $10 for it or 15, something like that. And I'm like, just start with your own. So if you were to start from scratch, here's what you do. Here's the process. You're going to start with um, a little bit of flour and a little bit of water. And I do, I like to do, do you weigh yours? I look
1: I, So I do, I weigh mine just mm-hmm. because that helps me to feel more confident, but I know that, and especially as you're, it's like training wheels, like yeah. to weigh it, to make sure it's equal amounts of water and flour, but um, eventually I've watched lots of sourdough videos about sourdough starters and how to make them. And they say, once you're familiar and comfortable, then you don't have to really weigh it because you know what the consistency needs to look like. I agree. But that. I still weigh mine because I'm like, Oh,
0: then okay. I know. So I keep a kitchen scale, a little kitchen scale. And I just take my, so I take a jar, a canning jar or a bowl or whatever you're going to use to keep it in. And I put my little jar on Um, my kitchen scale. And I'm going to, and at first you put in a, like a tablespoon of flour and a tablespoon, uh, sorry. Um, So I weigh it. So an ounce and an ounce of flour and water. And I usually, you can use whole wheat flour, but I usually just use organic white flour from the store. Um, It's a little trickier with whole wheat flour, but it's totally the same concept, right? So whatever you have on hand, you're going to want to use that. So then you're gonna let it sit there for 24 hours, 12 hours, something like that. Not 12 hours for it to like. Mhm. And mm-hmm. you, want
1: it to be completely... yeah, about
0: 12 hours. You don't want it to be completely covered because you want it to be um, have some exposure to the air. So I usually just put the lid of the canning jar on top and just keep it loose. Like oh, just...
1: that's interesting. I just screw mine on and it totally is fine.
0: Yeah, I do that too and just keep it. Yeah, but it needs yep. a little bit of air because what's going to happen is that flour and water mixture is going to pull yeast from your air and bacteria. Did you know that? And bacteria. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's yeast and bacteria. It's a combination of both.
0: Tillis or whatever it is. Right. So, um, so it's all around us. And so it starts using that it's on the, it's on the grains. Things mm-hmm. like that. So it's going to start getting a little bubbly after about 12 hours, you're going to want to feed it again. So, Now we're gonna feed it twice a day, okay? The next time you're gonna add two ounces and two ounces of water. And with your water, you're gonna wanna make sure that it doesn't have chlorine in it. So if you have chlorinated water, um, you either have to let it sit out so the chlorine evaporates or you can Mm -hmm. buy bottled water or filtered water or something like that, right? Um, The chlorine can kill off the yeast, so be careful of that. So you're going to add a little bit more each time and then let it sit for 12 hours. So morning and night is what you're going to feed it morning and night, morning and night. And then the next time you're going to do three ounces. And then the next time you're going to do four ounces and it should start getting bubbly by this point. So at the, the 12 hour mark, you should start seeing little tiny bubbles Mm -hmm. inside of it. And it should be getting, starting to get like the height of it will get from the level that you left it to a little bit higher. Um, once I get up to four ounces, I kind of stick to that amount. I don't know how much you make at a time.
1: Um, I actually weigh it in grams instead of in ounces. It's probably about the same. Um, when I, I've i only made successfully a sourdough starter on my own once, and I'm glad that it worked. <laughs> I've tried a couple of times to make my own sourdough starter. Total failures. Do you remember when I called you and I was like, what is this pink slime on my sourdough starter? <laughs> Oh, it was gross. It was like this pink orange film on the top. If you get weird colors on your sourdough starter, or brown, yeah, throw it down, throw the whole thing away, start from scratch, clean your jar, throw it in the, the dishwasher, like sanitize that thing. You do not want that in your body. Right. Anyway.
0: It should like the color of your flour, maybe yes. a little bit more yellow, slightly right. like and a pale it color. Smell. Like
1: a little sour, punky,
0: a little yeah. sour, and it mm-hmm. should be really like pungent, but it should be fresh at the same time. Mm-hmm. Fresh, tangy, sour,
1: kind of a little yeasty. Yeah, mm-hmm. it should smell yeasty if it smells funky. You'll know when it smells funky, throw it away, do not use it. Right? Um, yeah, so I just usually weigh mine in grams, but ounces is great too, and when I did my one successful sourdough starter from scratch. Um, I think I started with like 50 grams of flour and water for, you know, three or four days, kind of like what you're talking about. And then I built up to a hundred grams of water and flour each time that I would feed it. So yeah, that's probably about the same as what you're talking about. A couple of ounces, four ounces.
0: Exactly. Right. So once you get up to a good amount, um, about four ounces, um, something like that, then I usually stick to that amount, and it's going to grow each time you feed it. So this is what we call discard. So um, once you get up to that amount, then you're going to pour off some of your, some of your sourdough starter until mm-hmm. you have a, a little bit in the bottom of the jar, a couple tablespoons, and then you're going to add four ounces and four ounces.: Exactly. And then you're going to stir it together and it makes like a goo. And then you're yeah. going to that it for 12 hours and then you're going to pour some off, add four ounces and four ounces and then stir it together. And then, you know, just keep doing that until you get to the point that when you feed it 12 hours later, it's nice and bubbly. It's risen in like it's doubled in height, things like that. Then you know that your sourdough starter is ready to bake with. It's fully alive and active. Now you have an active starter ready. Yep. to go. And
1: it does take about, from what I remember, it's a, about a week process. It could be a little bit longer, but seven to 10 days is probably the average. Probably eating it twice a day, yep. discarding stuff. So, um, yeah. And then once it's ready, once it's fully alive and active, then you're ready to make sourdough bread. Right. Yep. And do you want to talk about the process of making a loaf of bread? I do, but I want to talk about the discard really quick because, yeah. as Laura talked about, um, we keep putting in flour and water and it just keeps growing in volume, like there's more substance. And so, yeah.
0: Um, the book love- is full of um, sourdough discard recipes. So, things yeah. to do with your discard, the art of baking with natural yeast. And I'm just going to add in there too. Sometimes I get lazy and I just give it to my chickens. They love it. That's great. Um, the other thing I do with it is I just dump it into a fry, like a like yes. a sauté pan. Yes. And I just it just creates a pancake shape, and I just yep. put salt on top and flip it over when it's done cooking, and a really quick like take care of your sourdough starter and get yes. a little bit of bread in the process. So absolutely, that's what
1: I was just absolutely going to say. That so there's a bunch of recipes um, that you can look up for making sourdough discard recipes um, meaning it's just the, the not so activated sourdough starter but it's still fermented dough and it's still really good for you um, we just throw it into muffins and I make English muffins with my discard you can make pancakes waffles a whole bunch of really amazing things with your discard but I also love making I call them sourdough pancakes even though it's
0: not a real traditional pancake because it's more like flatbread yeah or like yeah, savory or sweet whatever you want a little bit yeah. more, more like a like like um what do you call those like a pita bread kind of a thing yeah hold like, it in half and make a yeah. sandwich out of it right? so
1: absolutely yeah. that's what I love doing too so there's endless possibilities with that you can throw in anything you want into that and that's just really fun like cook it two or three minutes on one side and two or three minutes on the other side really quick simple meal for you so absolutely do not throw away your discard there's lots to do with it um yeah. sometimes yeah. I've actually if I'm just being lazy I just as you said lazy you cook it I'm like sometimes I just throw it into a bowl mm-hmm. and keep it in the fridge until I'm ready to do something with it because sure that's what I do
0: anyway, anyway. it's okay to throw it away too it's just you know ready to go So if you get overwhelmed, um, this is something that I learned how to make a loaf with, and it was actually really helpful. You can see my notes on it if you're on YouTube. It's called Sourdough Online Baking School. Rise to the top. So you can look that up. And he has some really solid like videos. And this is a guy that really helped me understand. He has a whole process of like a checkmark when different activities for your sourdough. So feed it, feed the starter, make sure it's fresh and, and strong, and then... We do what's called an auto lease is the first step of making a loaf. And basically that just means taking flour and water. So you're going to make a whole bunch of it, not in your sourdough starter. You're just going to mix it together into what we call a shaggy dough and just let it sit and basically let all of the water absorb into the flour.
1: Just hydrating
0: your flour. Mm -hmm. And you let it sit there for a few hours or overnight. And then after that process is done, then I add the starter. And again, it's good to weigh this. In this case, I use grams. So, because it's easier to to calculate and make adjustments that way. So then you're gonna add your starter and salt at that point. And then you're gonna let it sit for longer periods of time after that. So, okay, go ahead cool no I think that's great like I was like keep going yeah Um, he recommends doing what's called a stretch and fold so mm -hmm. in which case every 30 minutes you're going to take around the edge of your bowl just lifting up the dough (laughs) it demonstrates it in the video so you can check that out but you're going to basically just going to work it mix it and keep um, stretching it every couple of every 30 minutes And I usually do that four times and then I let it sit for a long ferment. So 12 hours, six hours, whatever you want it to ferment for. And then it's time to bake it at which point um, I usually dump it out of the bowl into like onto my counter on some flour. And then I stretch it all, make it tight. And then I, and then I put it inside my, like, I usually do, like a glass baking dish with a lid or a Dutch oven with a lid. And I usually put down some parchment paper. I don't know. Do you use parchment paper on yours? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. So then you're going to let it rise a little bit more, maybe another hour or two, something like that. And then it's, it's good idea to slash the top. You don't have to, it's just cutting a little slash on the top. So it doesn't like burst in weird spots, just gives it some pressure relieving points. Um, Jackie can tell you about a really cool tool that she has on that. And then you put it in a really hot oven, 450 degrees. I usually put the lid on for 20 minutes and then take it off. And then, um, and then, yeah, it takes, how long does it take? Like 30 minutes total? 45? Um, I do about 45 total. Okay. 400 degrees. 20 minutes with the lid on 20 to 30 minutes with the lid off. Yeah. 40, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, something like that. Right. Yep. And then you have fresh
1: sourdough loaf of bread. The hardest part about sourdough is not cutting into it when it's first out of the oven because you're supposed to let it cool all the way before you cut into it. It's the hardest thing because your house smells amazing. Oh, good. It smells amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the hardest part. Um, no, that was really great. Thanks for that rundown. I kind of wanted to talk about some of the little nuances of sourdough because um, I think when you're first learning sourdough bread baking, like having a, a baking schedule, like you showed us and like, um, like you got from that website, I've seen those um, lots of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I love YouTube university. <clears throat> I call it YouTube university, but I love YouTube for learning about all these kinds of things. There's, there's really great people that get into all the scientific details on on youtube and then they show you how to actually make the bread and you can watch right. and right. all that kind of stuff so lots of resources online lots of people doing that
0: what i liked about this guy's checklist that i printed out is be um like he has a one day bake he has ones that if you're nine to five like if you have a work right. schedule right. if you are a night owl you know if you right. do it traditionally and right. a flexible baking schedule so he has like Whatever schedule works for you, any like lists out what to do when. So that's nice just to have a it reason that that you can practice with. Absolutely.
1: Because sometimes you're busy and sometimes you're like, let's do this at this time or whatever. So it's nice to have that flexibility yeah. built into those schedules. So I think as you're starting to learn about sourdough baking, it's really wise to follow a checklist like that because then it because right. there's, there's all these scientific things that you have to do, but you don't necessarily have to understand them. You just have to do them. Um, and so a schedule like that really helps to keep you on track with what to do first and what to do next and stuff. Um, let's see, what were some of the nuances as you were talking about all that, um, for the first couple of years of me doing sourdough bread making, I did follow those exact steps. Right. And it was a very long, intense process. Most of the recipes that I found out there are, they make enough dough to make two loaves of bread. Great. And so depending on your family size, um, that may be perfect for you. For me, um, I don't have a large family. And so making two loaves of bread at a time was actually too much for us. Mm-hmm. And most recently I've actually just found another YouTube video that was really exciting for me that I didn't even know that he was only teaching me how to make one loaf at a time, but his recipe was just basically cut in half from the normal recipe that I've found yeah. all And I was going through following what he was saying and I was like, this is great. This is only one loaf. And so I've just scaled everything back to only make one loaf of bread at a time. Mm -hmm. If you do make two loaves and that's too much, you can, you can eat the first one. Um, You can take the second one, put it in a plastic bag, throw it in your freezer Yeah, and you can use it later. That's no problem at all. Um, some other fun things you can do with a sourdough loaf of bread is like, I love turning it into croutons for salads or whatever you want, Like that's really yummy. Um, Yep. So, um, let's see some other fun nuances of sourdough. Um, What's
0: your little tool to slash the top?
1: Oh, it's called, it's called a lame. L-A-M-E. I think it's a French word. I'm not really sure, but it's just a little tool um, and it has like a razor blade at the end, basically. Um, It's really sharp. Before I had one of these, Laura actually sent it to me for my birthday last year.
0: Inexpensive on Amazon. They're about $4. So. Yep. So great.
1: Um, But before I had that, I just used like a normal knife that I had, like a A serrated knife knife to make those cuts in the bread at the top and like she said Mm -hmm. it's not required but if you don't cut your bread then your bread while it's baking in the oven may bulge in weird places meaning it's going to the because what happens when you're baking your sourdough (laughs) the moisture that's in the loaf has to come out It creates steam and you're just creating like a steam vent basically when you're cutting it you can make beautiful patterns on your sourdough loaf but it's not required (laughs) just one cut so that the air can come out and it helps to create what we call oven spring which makes it really rise big and yeah and just lovely um so that's fun um like she's talked about there's lots of cool ways if you don't have like a dutch oven at home that you can bake your bread in that's totally okay Mm -hmm. um you have a pizza stone or like a baking stone in your oven that's really great to cook it right on there i have seen um if, if you don't have some, like, a like I said, a Dutch oven or a fancy like sourdough bread baking thing to put in your oven. Um, like she said, you can either just put a glass bowl on the top or a stainless bowl on the top of your loaf of bread mm-hmm. to kind of create that steam capturing system. And yep. then I've also seen people um, just also stick like a, a little bowl of water in your oven to kind of create that steaming reaction. Right as well so just some fun little nuanced things
0: and it's okay if you don't have those things too it'll bake fine without it just won't have that like super thick crunchy crust so it'll taste absolutely
1: Absolutely. yeah spot on spot on thought um another couple things that I've seen as I've watched a lot of sourdough bread baking videos is a lot of the a lot of people out there say to like to as Laura talked about like shaping your final loaf of bread before you bake it for the last like hour or two. Um, a lot of times you see in these videos that they have these, um, what do they call them? Proofing baskets. Mm-hmm. And st- sometimes they're just round. Sometimes they're long and oval like this. Um, and they have like a cloth interior right. and they have like, little ridges in the basket. So it makes this really beautiful pattern on your sourdough loaf when it comes out, not required I definitely don't own one of those yet. I want one; so mm-hmm. it hasn't happened yet, so we'll get there eventually. But um, not required. I just use like a medium-sized Pyrex glass bowl to shape my bread to let it proof in there, mm-hmm. and I put a little tea towel in there as I'm putting my bread loaf in. Mm-hmm. Um, one fun little trick: I with
0: it's just my um, like just on it's proof mine in my Dutch oven. Like with the bread, oh. sorry, not with the bread. With just the um, baking, what is it called? Just the paper parchment. Paper. So I just put parchment paper and just proof it in there. Oh, huh. so I don't proof it. I don't proof mine upside down. I just shape it and stick it in there, oh. and it works the same too. So, we well, see.
1: These are fun new nuances. I've never done that. I've always shaped it in a bowl. So because that's what I was told to do. Um, a couple interesting things with sourdough bread is that the, the dough is actually really, really wet. It's a very, very wet, sticky dough. Super sticky. And it's very tempting to want to add more flour when you're shaping and working with it. Do not add more flour. You will not, and I'm not going to get into the science of that, but do not add more flour. Just You just have to keep working with it. It's really helpful to use what like a bench scraper or a bread s- a tool that it's like a flat on the counter. Counter. Mm-hmm. yeah to help you scrape it off your counter so it doesn't stick to your hands Works, yeah.
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, when i am proofing my bread in in its final mm-hmm. little bowl in my little tea towel um, i learned a a cool trick a couple of years ago that i've loved so watched a video and this guy said to use rice flour to flour my proofing bowl because the rice flour doesn't actually absorb into the bread, but it does create a barrier between that cloth and the dough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I, so I just keep some regular rice flour. And basically if you want to just make rice flour, you can buy it at sort. but you can, if you have a, like a grain grinder at home or a high powered blender, just mm-hmm. take some regular white rice and blend it up or grind it up. And that's rice flour. <laughs> that's all it is. That's awesome. Um, Anyways, fun little nuances there, but, um, I can see. oh, and then I think when you're putting your dough, like when it's ready to be baked and there's all this extra, extra, if you don't have rice flour, that's okay. Like you can use regular flour too, but it just really doesn't stick to it. So then just right, wipe it off, like, um, with a little brush, a brush. Thank you. Um, just brush it off of your bread. Otherwise it's going to burn onto your bread and it's fine, but it's it's less appealing that way. So just some fun little nuances.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to share um, my measurements. So I'm pretty um, nerdy as far as like experimenting and like, like I experiment until I get it the way I want it. And then it works really well for me. So when I bake a loaf of sourdough bread with white flour, um, here's my ratios. And this is what we call um, baking. What do you call them? Baking ratios when you use grams? Is that what it's called?
1: No. So there's like baker's percentages. Percentages, yeah. Which is not about the grams. They're just measuring in grams. So percentages is like the total volume of all the ingredients equals 100% of everything that goes into that recipe. And then it breaks it down into like, if like the recipe that I have in my head is 12 grams of salt for like 375 grams of flour and like 175 grams of water or something. So your salt ratio is going to be like, two percent of the total overall volume
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: water is going to be like 75 or 80 percent of the total yeah. volume I don't it's know what- really
0: complicated in stuff so i'm just going to give my ratios of what works well for me and it ends up being a three percent salt ratio mm-hmm. so that's what i like i like it a little bit more salty but um and i think it's been a while but i think this will make two medium-sized loaves. um So I found when I made it with white flour, I needed a little bit more water. No, sorry. With whole wheat, you need to add a little bit more water because it absorbs a little bit more. So with white flour, I do 500 grams of white flour, 300 grams of water. That'll give you a 60% hydration, 150 grams of sourdough starter and 15 grams of salt. So that's a really, really nice white flour flour sourdough loaf. Um, So you're going to auto-lease the flour and water, 500 grams of white flour, 300 grams of water. Let that sit for a few hours. Then you're going to add 150 grams of of your sourdough starter and 15 grams of salt. Um, If you're making it with whole wheat flour, you're going to do 500 grams of whole wheat flour 350 grams of water and then the same amount of starter and salt 15 grams of starter sorry 150 grams of starter 15 grams of salt so anyway I just keep that on my little sheet that that's what works for me so if you're struggling maybe try those ratios and see if it helps to be able to get the the percentages right and things like that so
1: no, I think that's great because as I was listening to you talk about your your recipe i'm like oh that's a from the recipes that i've seen that's a really low hydration level 60 percent is really low i've seen anywhere like 75 to 80 percent which is a that's why i was saying it's a really really wet dough yes
0: and i think the goal is to get to that wet state right but 60 make it rise better and you Mm -hmm. get those those thick pockets and it stretches and all that things but i think when you're learning um this will help a lot because right. it will be not gooey and sticky and like falling apart right yeah. you'll be able to work with it a little bit better and it won't be quite so messy and anyway so as you're learning it might be easier to work with that ratio that's and then the goal is to work to a wetter ratio more right. well, for sure
1: right. so i think that's a really good intro recipe yes um, for sure help it be a little bit easier of a transition for you. So, um, no, I think that's great. And there's, there's lots of different ratios out there. So Lara said that she likes a little bit saltier of a dough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. Like once you start getting a little bit more familiar with this, you'll learn, like she said, the whole week, grams of salt or 10 grams of salt. Right. So, right. And it can be at your discretion. You can follow the recipes. You can test it out, see what works best for you. Yada yada yada. Um, I want to full circle back really quick, as you talked about how you, f- right, Fe- how, you- how you fed your sourdough starter at the beginning with only white flour. Um, I wanted to comment on that, and then I forgot as we were talking about white and wheat flour for your bread. Um, I yeah, was so waste for right. Yeah, I have. Um, I've used lots of different grains actually maybe not lots, a handful of grains, but I was really confused because as I was creating my own sourdough starter, I was like, everything out there just said, feed it with white flour. And I was like, okay. Um, so I did, but then I wanted to know if I could feed it with other things. And it was so confusing. Like, can I feed my sourdough starter only what I started it with? Or can you tra- like change the flour and the type of grain and all these things? And I've learned like, Like we keep saying the first initial growth, like the learning curve is a little bit steep. So don't mess around with things at the beginning, just stick with one flower while you're learning this process. Right. And then you'll ease into it and get more comfortable and relax and start figuring out what you can and can't do. Um, But I have switched the flowers that I've used with the same sourdough starter and it is totally fine. So one day I do white flour, one day I do rye flour. It really, really loves rye flour. Right. So. I just actually buy organic whole rye grains and then I grind them myself so that I have fresh flour at my house, but um, Mm. it really loves rye flour. And it goes back to the types of bacteria and yeast that are available to it. Funny thing is, is that when you feed your sourdough starter, more of a whole grain kind of, kind of a grain, there's actually more diversity to feed your sourdough starter. And so it actually gets bubblier and goes crazy faster than it does with white flour, but the white flour is much easier to kind of watch and cultivate at a, it's, it's just easier to, I think control, even though we're not controlling it. So okay, cool. fun things, right. But like not required to switch your, your flours. Um, but when it comes to like creating your sourdough bread, you can use multiple types of, flowers. Yeah. Right. Just depends on what you want the end result to taste like. If you don't like rye flour, you don't like these other types of flours, don't use them. Like
0: it's great. Right. So. Okay, cool. Um, anything else you want to talk about? I was just going to mention that there's a, a recipe on our website called, on um, carrotgal.com. If you go to the recipe section of that, there is a recipe for sourdough pumpkin waffles, one out it uses your discarded sourdough starter so okay. check that one out um, um so if you start today with your
1: sourdough starter from scratch in s- three to four days you should be able to make these pumpkin waffles
0: yeah, and they're yummy they're really tasty so <laughs> um there's that one and then the we have a facebook group that, that we that you can come join us in and to get to that you're going to go to carrotgal.com slash chats. And there will be a link there to join our Facebook group. So we'd love to hear about in there, like if you make sourdough, what your experience has been, like teach us some tricks that work for you. And we'd love to see any of your um, experiments or failures or if we can help you out at all with your sourdough process, that'd be we're happy to do that as well. So jump in there and we'd love to chat about sourdough with you so okay. anything else that you wanted to wrap up with or no i think um i think just some words of advice right
1: like yeah. um, you've heard both Laura and i talk about how we've had failures we didn't really talk about the failures i have memories in my mind of like specific moments when i'm like that did not work out very well <laughs> nice. and you try again so um do keep trying going were like they didn't rise at all. They were just Mine too. Uh, like pancakes. It was yeah. So then you learn you learn what to do, what
0: not to do. Making sure that your um that your starter is fully active is super important. I think that's yes. one of critical pieces is that is one of the most critical pieces. Because good rise before you begin baking. So yeah if you keep your starter in the fridge, when I don't want to feed it so actively. I just keep it in the fridge and I just feed it once a week, Yeah, dump some off. We feed it once a week, put it back in the fridge, but that's in a um, semi dormant state. So yes. if I want to bake with it, I get it back out and I feed it for a little while be- and t- to get it active again. So um, that's a little tip you can do if you're getting tired of feeding it all the time. Yes. Not um, required. So yeah, but make sure that your starter is fully active before you begin baking with it. So
1: absolutely. That is crucial. Yes. Lots of fun little nuances, but, um, it's a really exciting and rewarding process. It sounds weird to say that like, cause it, from my experience, it does from start to finish, it really does take about 24 hours total. It can be shorter than that, but I like to leave my dough overnight in the fridge just to kind of do its long fermenting process Right, and I can sleep and not have to worry about it. But, um, but it does. It's about a 24-hour process. And and right now where you're at, it may sound kind of funny to think about the joy of it taking 24 hours to bake a loaf of bread or two loaves of bread for your family. But there's so much joy when you put in most of that 24 hours is hands-off work, by the way. It's just sitting and doing its thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does take a long time. and But there's so much joy in it.
0: It's incredibly fulfilling to make your own loaf of sourdough bread. Yeah, I like to do mine. So this is how I typically do mine. I like to feed my starter and, and make my auto which is just mixing your flour and water mass the night before I'm going to bake. So I like to make, make mine at night, feed my starter and mix my flour water. Let that sit all night long. The next day, then I combine my, my mixture with the sourdough starter and my salt. In the morning. In the morning. So when I get up in the morning, it's ready to go. I start mixing it. And then I mix for a few hours, stretch it. And then by dinner time, then I'm ready to let it um, um, proof. And then I bake. And it's usually done by 9 o'clock at night. So that's a process that works for me because i'm home during the day but um it might not work for everyone so right right yeah so
1: lots of ways to do it but um find a great schedule online um there's awesome options just google it people have downloads that you can find all over the place so um get some resources just try it out give it a go get some education watch some videos and Come share your experiences, failures, or successes with us in the Facebook group. We really love celebrating sourdough bread baking. So, yes, okay.
0: All right, we'll talk to you next time. I'm good. See you guys. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Carrot Gals Sister Chats podcast. We invite you to join us in our private Facebook group to continue the conversation. You can find the group by clicking on the link in the show notes or by visiting carrotgal.com slash chats. We love to answer questions and see pictures of your gardens and other self-sufficiency projects that you're working on. Come join us in the group. Thanks for listening.